Welcome along to Season 2, Episode 17 of LOI Weekly. Um, a quite a unique show here where we're going to uh, have lots of um, very intriguing audio from what has been a pretty busy week or so since we were last on. And it's just Johnny Ward and I, Daniel McDonald, in the studio. But um, we will have Mike Tracy, the uh, Dundalk chairman. Um, a very, very intriguing interview that Dan had with him before the game in Tala, which itself um, merits plenty of comment last Friday. And I was down in Cork last night and in Cove. And while I was in Cork, I spoke to Kenny Shields and Colin Morgan after the game. Um, but we're on Podcast Republic Stitcher, SoundCloud iTunes. We're at LOI Weekly on Twitter. And um, we're kind of halfway through the season now. As a Go United fan, I just, it actually dawned on me, Dan, how little time there's left in this season. It's been absolutely insane. I thought Go United had a lot longer to... Uh, kind of catch up on, on UCD than they have. But it's prudent for us to mention that we would welcome some uh, ratings and reviews. I haven't asked uh, that in a while. And uh, obviously... Um, on iTunes, that is, John. On iTunes, yeah. Um, because I normally listen on SoundCloud myself, so I don't really go on iTunes that often. Mm. So if you are on iTunes, it definitely helps to get it some It does ratings. count in, in some shape or form. So go, yeah. so go, go and do it. I mean, it could just be bad reviews uh, hitting out on your... You know, your your views on Cork. There might even be a couple of reviews like that there already, for all we know. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've been to Cork. I think like so, you've yeah. Gone, you've been, like, you've gone down there to... I mean, did you did you have any interesting discussions with, with Cork people? Was it all civilised? Um, yeah, it was very civilised. It was a really, really interesting day because uh, I don't know if I've ever gone to two games in the, in, in the League of Ireland in the same day before. And... Uh, it was kind of like time traveling, going from Turner's Cross to St. Coleman's mm. Park. I hadn't been to St. Coleman's Park since I was about 16, I'd say. You know, the guts of 20 years ago. When I was down there before, they introduced a kid at halftime who'd won the Bobby Charlton Skills Award, and his name was Stephen Ireland, right? Oh, and wow. I said, that's a, quite an interesting name. Like I'll, I'll remember the name or whatever. And obviously, I didn't need to remember it because he became a, a professional footballer. But Cove didn't seem to have changed a great deal since I was down there. The pitch was was bad but turner's cross 3300 at it which itself isn't a great crowd i think 3800 was the, i think it was 3800 was the crowd that was given um it, no obviously no dairy fans really which is yeah. which is grand but uh like just after the game you know you know that media area behind mm. the ground like so many player so many kids waiting for autographs and um i suppose that that is the most striking thing of going down yeah. there i find is the apparently when shawnee was there it was nuts now yeah. i'd never been there for one of his like but, yeah. but in fairness, like the players were so accommodating, even Kenny Shields and all that. But it, it feels like something different to the normal League of Ireland experience. It just feels big. It's funny. I was, I was, yeah. Because one thing I noticed that obviously all the goals were scored into the, well, not all the goals, but the main court goals were, were, um, you know, they were they were shooting into the St Anne's end. So I love watching Cork City goals in front of the shed because it looks brilliant. It's one of these things that if you watch, say, the football league review in England or something like that, there's a real culture of the the the, the hardcore being behind the goal. I think it actually ends up looking way better on TV as a consequence. So you see, like the fellow scoring a goal and like being mobbed by sort of all sorts of of characters and so on. But because of the Cork goals were at that end, I, I can't think was it the the third or the fourth goal, the last, I think it might have been, the, was it Cummins? Uh, and Sinan ends a bit different. And it's just around like 10 kids or so at the front, yeah. like leaning over. They're not really going to be jumping across the fence and grabbing them. But I just thought, yeah. yeah. Actually, it, it is a very striking thing about Cork. I think more so than anywhere. Lots the, of kids. I think, crowd, yeah. I think um, one of the guys was watching the game and he was telling me that um, a couple of teachers have kind of set up like supporters groups 
in the schools and they bring them to the games on the Friday night. So there's just so much good going on. And then um, to the left of where we were in the stand, um, there were loads of kids and then they, some of them were playing at half time. And I know Brian Carroll was giving out about the pitch. The pitch was great, Nick, last night. Mm. And um, it's just it's just a great vibe down there. Um, it wasn't a great atmosphere because there was no away fans. It was a Monday. Monday afternoon. They were expected yeah. to win. They went ahead early. But before before we just um, get to the audio from that game, I'll, I'll talk to you about the weekend. Um, I, I was kind of away from all of this now. I didn't get to a game, but... Um, you were a groomsman at a wedding. I was groomsman at a wedding and uh, get, taking, um, getting the scores through. There was a Rovers fan at the wedding. There were Bose fans at the wedding. So we, we were talking about the League of Ireland for much of the night. Um, but Bray 3, Pats 1 was one of the results. In fairness to Bray, like... I was definitely one of those who said this is going to be a, an away win, just get on with it. But that was a great win for them. Cork beat Watford 3 0. Um, after I think Watford were the better team for the first half. Derry nil, Sligo 2. Um, well called, John, it must be said. You know, you're locking a week, I think. Yeah. I that was impressive. Yeah, I had a bet on that, so I was delighted with that as well. Limerick won, Bowes won, almost identical to the first time they clashed at Limerick earlier on in the season. Um, unfortunately, that's only a small part of the Limerick story at the moment. We'll get to that as well. And then Shamrock Rovers 2, Dundalk 5. Um, before this game, Dan spoke to Mike Tracy, and we'll have all of that interview um, subsequently in the in the show. I think we were. I think we finished level on our predictions last week. Yeah. Um, I think we were too all. I think you had Sligo and you had... Uh, you, you had Limerick. Was it? Did you go for Limerick to win that game? No, you had Dundalk to win. Actually, I, I, I had the draw on Limerick yeah. Bows and Cork to beat I, Waterford. So yeah. neither of us had Bray. So there neither we go. Of us had Bray. Yeah. So um, still seven ahead. Okay, I I guess we should just start on on um, on Rovers two Dundalk five. I I've watched the goals from the game. Um, I didn't actually get to catch Soccer Republic yet either. But um, I'm literally literally just off the train. You might miss the tackle then in that case because uh, um, it wasn't it wasn't broadcast in Soccer Republic. Did um, can Lopez can, I, can I ask you about can I ask you about that? Um, well, I, I wouldn't want at the same time. That's not the main issue of the game. I mean, I was at the game, but I was speaking to my Tracy beforehand. But I wasn't actually working in the press box, so it was actually oh, right. it was a nice different experience to be able to. Sort of wander around the ground a bit and mm. watch the second half almost two rows from the front. Down like Con Then in the end at the dock, we're attacking. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if the night finished up like Con or, or maybe it did. Um, but I mean, like Shamrock Rovers were the better side for 15 minutes, um, probably the first half an hour, really. I think Robbie Benson admitted it as much afterwards. And they, we, we spoke about sort of mental frailty in, in recent weeks with late concessions. And it must be said that when Dan Carr went off injured and they were one up at the time, that just seemed to drain the confidence levels a bit. Um, he was being a, you know, a huge presence up front. He was given the dock a torrid time. And, and if He's you'd a good of, player, If you walked out of the ground after 25 minutes and went home that night and flicked on live score or whatever and saw the result, you would be sort of uh, perplexed as to what had mm-hmm. happened. Um, then the doctor started winning the ball easier and playing the game a bit more in the Rovers half and it just went from there they got the equaliser um, but it was too easy in the second half they still scored four goals uh, yes Ronan Finn was lost as well he got sort of a um, got injured in a collision before the break so there, there is no and Greenberg obviously wasn't there because Rovers had made the decision to let him play for Ireland on Saturday which uh, as much as it was criticised I think by Pat Dolan um, I think you weigh it up in the bigger picture Um it was probably the right thing to do. I think, you know, if, if Graham Burke, as much as it's it's an unusual situation and you don't like to see a league game being placed behind a friendly, 
in precedence. I mean, you could have an unhappy player there for the next couple of weeks because naturally you'll always wonder if you ever would have got that chance um, if he'd played on Friday. Um, and also, I mean, the, you can just be cynical as well and say that he'll, he'll be worth more money to them now he's played for, for Ireland. Um, but So they were missing those players, and that is a fair point, but they still conceded four goals at home in the second half. Um you know, Michael Duffy was excellent. Um, the dog were excellent. Their movement was very good. Uh, so, I mean, part of it is them being very good, but also parts of it has just been very poor as well. It's just little things that make you wonder. I mean, you know, they're, so Dundalk go 3-1 ahead. Yeah, Tuchinski was poor for the third goal. Uh, and you think that's game over. Fairness to Rovers, they then attack and, and get a goal back through Lopez. And they concede again within... Maybe 60 mm. seconds. When is Alan Manis going to be in? He was at the ground anyways, yeah. but he won't be eligible. It's a bit like any transfers now, even any Limerick movements around, and no one will be able to play till the 1st of July. Mm. Um, but, I mean, uh, that wasn't Chinskinsky, like the, the fourth goal or the, or the fifth goal. I mean, you know, you get back to 3-2 with, what, maybe 20 minutes to go or something. You're in the game, and yet you concede straight away. You know, I thought he that, was bad for and two or three. I, I know, but, but but no. he, he didn't he didn't put Robbie Benson through and goal. Yeah, you know, from Robbers being in mm. possession in their own half. So in fairness, I just I think it would be convenient to just fo- focus mm. in on that. Um, and I remember a couple of years back going to watch. That. It was actually there were times in Bradley's caretaker stint that were very damaging to him when Cork beat them five, didn't they? In Tallinn. and I remember another time when the Dock were in the middle of their sort of amazing season. Um, 2016 going up there as well just to watch the game and um, the fans being sort of demoralised as to how easy like they were being turned over at home and it was very similar to that in the last 15 minutes it was a training session for the dock and, and a banner was kind of unfurled banner was produced like there wasn't they weren't writing that during the game you know that had been brought beforehand mm. um, so I mean they've probably played worse at times this year I will say that but where, when is this going to turn? Now, they do have Bray and Limerick up next, so maybe there is a chance there. But I, I think Bradley is probably at the situation, he's at the stage now where it's sort of one more strike and he's out. Like The next really, really bad result. I just think it's getting harder and harder. And I have a small bit of sympathy for him because you know, the, the, you know, the last Friday there were circumstances to a degree that conspired against them. But that defeat isn't that bad if you've won, you know, six out of your seven out of your previous sort of 14 games as opposed to two, you know? And I think that's really the killer, that the credit in the bank isn't there because of the points that they've lost in other games. It's, it's not losing to the Dock and Cork that's going to get managers sacked. But when you're not winning other games, that's, that's the, only, the problem. The only thing is, though, I was a bit taken aback by the table today um, because they're obviously, mild, they're, what are they, 20 whatever points off the top but between Waterford, Derry and and sort of Pats and Rovers there isn't really much in it there so like for Rovers to finish in the top four which would be like and presumably then get to Europe not, not if, for if certain if one of the top two in the cup or whatever yeah. I think um, the way things are at Rovers and they're so far off the top the board would probably say okay well we've, we got into Europe again anyway and it, it still looks like they should kind of get into Europe particularly because Derry's form has been Pants as well of late. I mean, lost at home to Sligo, conceding so many sloppy goals in Waterford at home, uh, at Pats. Pat, uh, and, last Pats have, night. and Pats have lost and their Pats way. Pats have lost, lost their way of it as well. And, and Waterford, okay. Um, lost their manager for a time, yeah. and their own form has kind of nosedived a little bit. A little, a little bit. Derry, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of all over the shop. Now, obviously, Noel Hunt's coming in and 
presumably Waterford are like, let's get to Europe. Rovers are like, let's get to Europe. Pats want to get to Europe. Um, well, 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 also what Rovers have and Derry have is a game in Europe coming up soon yeah. as well. You have the European draws now, the June 19th. So these are just around the corner now. And the, and the game's started July. And obviously, so, so can I ask you then, do Rovers look at the managerial situation with a view to how they might do in Europe this year rather than getting to Europe? That's the that's the decision yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Like That is the decision that... Um, they they did get through last year. They beat Starn and, and um, Burke obviously was excellent in those games. And I mean that's two hundred grand, you know, for getting through around. Absolutely, it's, it's about to go up again. So you you probably have to decide. I mean that's worth. Oh, you know, that's that 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 can just change the, the vibe around. Even even if you're going to go into a season where you think you might not get Europe at the end of it. It sort of cushions the blow somewhat, and they're probably going to sell Greenberg too. Let's be honest, you know. So they can still get some money in in July, or for, for, as a consequence of July, I know it'll be paid later in the year, or whatever. Um, but that is a difficult one. If they suddenly play really badly against Bray on Saturday at home, to the point where you don't you don't fancy this team to win any games, then do you suddenly think, well, for Europe, what about the shock impact and and see if that can generate something? So. That's a dilemma that they're in. That's certainly a dilemma that they're very yeah. much in at this point. Um, but, um, the top two have sort of madly... I mean, I know we're not going to repeat the points of previous weeks, but, I mean, what? I think the Dock are six in a row and Cork are five in a row now, I think. Um, it's relentless. She said to somebody at the game, I said, who's the second most underachieving team in the league at the moment? And I presume Rovers are the most underachieving team. It's kind of like, uh, not really sure... I've been really disappointed with Derry, you have to say, Dan. You know, I can't see why Kenny Shields shouldn't be under some pressure. Um, I'll play the audio shortly, but just the game in Cork, they were they, they defended badly again, but they went 2-0 down, and in fairness, um, brief thoughts on the game. Conor McCormick wasn't playing, right? Neither yeah. was Garrod Morrissey, um, who, who I think wasn't fit, but was on the bench. And... Um, McNamee was playing in the holding role for Cork, which to me was a major surprise. And then they had Buckley playing a little bit further up with Jimmy Keohan, who was kind of Manmark and McAniff, basically. Yeah. But the first half, McNamee was the best player in the pitch, and he kind of ran the show. But in fairness, then Derry sort of took over in the second half. But, just, but, the, but Derry conceded early, and they conceded after half time again, yeah. which sort of is a bad. A Ridiculously bad early in the second yeah. half, like a bad goal giveaway. Um, Shepard with both. And then Derry sort of started getting a stranglehold on things. And I was sort of saying to the lads, I think Coffee needs to start making changes here because the midfield looks like it's actually been a little bit overrun. But Derry, like, you know, kept the pressure on. They got a kind of um, smash and grab goal. It was like a kick out. Ronan Curtis, long range shot, may have taken deflection. Um, but then they scored again. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Literally straight away, they gave away a free kick, which Kenny disagreed with. And Cork went 3 2 up. And then you were like, ah, Cork are going to win the game. But I was like, what do you make of Derry? It's just like, they, they, I think they've so many talented players, but they're giving away goals left, right and centre at the moment. They're going to lose Ronan Curtis now as well. Yeah, and, and there's going to be interest in other players. Uh, there's something not quite right there. I mean, they've, I mean, they've, conceded, they've, they've conceded a lot of goals in certain games. Um, they've signed a lot of players over the winter, the majority of whom seem to have left, you know, or are in the process of leaving. Uh, okay, and that happens, I guess. Um, and I, I again, it, it is difficult for Kenny Shields when you're talking about McNamee and Michael Duffy and all the players um, that play, either played under him for Derry or, or you know, played for Derry before and are from there and, and you would think would like to play there if they're anywhere in the league. So, 
uh, th- there are some restrictions for him there, but I don't know. They had a, they had a spell towards the end of last season that was a bit like this, mm. where you're looking at the the talented group of players, but you're just getting the sense that things just aren't quite right, and um, they're, it's not just that they're they're bad. It's not that they are bad. It's that they're playing miles below their potential and. You're kind of wondering how are they going to generate some momentum to to get out of this situation because they seem to be in a bit of a slide. They had the Brandywell kick, and yeah. then they've started to lose in the Brandywell at home. And I, you got to think losing at home to Sligo. Never and mind apparently they were terrible. Losing at nice. home to Sligo, like they they had cues going into the ground and great positivity. And um, I mean, they're one that actually you would hope they got maybe a good European draw or something that could get people back in and and maybe give them some positive focus because um, their their season's in danger of of running away from them. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I said as well, I, th- I think if Stephen Kenny were managing Derry, I think they'd be nearly challenging. Um, and that's obviously a kind of a speculative comment. But in any event, yeah, they're another team that have, have, have derailed a little bit. Um, we spoke, I, I did speak after the game in the media area to um, Colm Horgan um, about a few matters. But first of all, I spoke to uh, the aforementioned Kenny Shields. I guess you went through quite a few emotions in that game. because a lot of positives, but a 4-2 defeat. Yeah, exactly. And when you can't defend, uh, decisions were massive against us tonight. But uh, the second goal was a foul on one of our players. The third one wasn't a free kick, but you have to defend, and we didn't defend well. Uh, At 2-2, up to that point, we were the dominant team in terms of ball retention and how we... uh, how we dominated the ball and, and we're the better team. I, I don't think the court people can disagree with that. We had, I don't know, it must have been quite a high percentage of possession, but you have to win games. And the score was two each and I was thinking we've we've recovered the momentum, we're gonna get we're gonna go and win this. This was my these were my thoughts and then within a minute it's free kick against us. We couldn't believe the decision. And then the wall split. I don't know how it split. I, I need a better view of that. Just the amount of goals I suppose you've conceded lately must exactly. be a killer for you. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're dominating games and losing. We have to change the... We tried to get more solid tonight, or today, and we were more solid, but we still conceded four goals. And it's just one of those games. Everything's going against us at the moment, but we'll fight to get it back, and hopefully we can. You'd have to say McDonough and Sadler did a hell of a job. Um, he probably he nullified him. He did, absolutely brilliant, McDonough and uh, Darren Cole in the engine room was very good with some good performances but it just wasn't good enough at the end of the day Is Curtis now going to play is he going to play one more game or is one he off? One more game and then he's off too yeah What do you make of his prospects across the water actually? Ah, he's got a good chance he's got attitude he's got commitment he's got he's brave he's got a work ethic uh, he's got all of those things It's just one of those frustrating periods of the season for you I suppose Yeah we're on a dip we have to get back Thank you Call them vital uh, three points there. You were made to work for it, though. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't really like ourselves. It kind of switched off for 10 minutes, and if you give a team like Derry that opportunity, they'll punish you. And they did twice, two good goals in fairness. Great strike from Curtis and uh, great strike from Ronan Hale as well. Yeah, you would have known Ronan well from last year as well. He's a player that's capable of that. Yeah, absolutely. He scored, uh, I think, a free kick up in um, 
in Derry last year against us so you know we know what he can do from distance yeah, and just uh, your own performance tonight, obviously you're, you're playing against Rory Hale as well, you would have played with last year, did you expect this Jerry team to kind of come at you in the second half in the manner they did? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, you know, they kind of have been on a bit of a run where they haven't got a few wins lately, but Derry are a really dangerous team, like, you know, um, they can hurt you at any time in the game, if you switch off like you saw, they'll come out and they'll score goals. Yeah, but your own ability to, you know, you scored straight away after the two all as well to go 3-2 up and I suppose you were comfortable enough at the end, you've, you've a lot of goals in this team obviously. A lot of goals, yeah. You know, there's a good spread, and in fairness, massive character in the team as well. Like, didn't panic when it went to two all, and uh, we did really well to come back and finally get the win. Your own season, obviously, you had to work to get your place, but you seem to have established, uh, you know, the right back position as your own at the moment. Oh, well, I'm getting picked at the moment and playing okay, I think. So, hopefully, now I'll be there again next Saturday. But uh, we'll see. There's a lot of good players to compete against, and I think that's really good for myself and it's good for everyone else in the team. How have you enjoyed it down there? Yeah, really good. Settled in seamlessly. Like the lads are all top fellas, and you know, playing and you're winning every week. You know, it's a lot easier to be uh, happy in that case. You have a lot of competition for places as well. It's nearly every position has two people for it. Like that's what you need if you want to be competing. And when Europe comes around as well, even with the amount of games we've had so far, I think it's fair enough to say we've needed everyone. How is your brother Daryl getting on these days? Good. Now I'm sure you saw him come on in the international game and played very well. I thought myself when he did made an impact. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens next. You know, if he stays in Preston or not, I'm not sure that'll be up to himself. But obviously he'll be looking to get more game time, whether it is at Preston or somewhere else. So we'll see now. What do you make of Graham Burke making his you know, couple of appearances for Ireland as well and getting his goal? Oh yeah, brilliant. Like um, It's brilliant for the league and brilliant to see how composed he was whenever he got the ball. He didn't seem phased, he was well able to get on it and his movement was good. At times he didn't get it, um, but at the same time you know, I thought he looked pretty comfortable. Uh, didn't look out of place by any means and he's a top class player and I'm sure the likes of Sads and a few others in this team could do it as well. Yeah, how many are there other players in the League of Ireland who will be capable of getting, uh, you know, I suppose a run at the international level? I certainly think so, but you never really know until they've been given a chance. Um, like I said, Sads has been brilliant this year, and like Scarlett Morrissey and a few others, you know, really good players. I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see see them in and around squads in the future. Is it a two horse race now between yourselves and Dundalk? It certainly looks that way, but you never know what can happen in football. Like you know, um, hopefully we can just keep on winning and. I've no doubt Dundalk will keep playing well as well and getting points so if it says like the way it is I can only see it being a two horse race really yeah. we, we slag you a bit that you're maybe a bit direct at Cork but that was a very good game today I thought we win games you know that's all that matters a lot of clean sheets as well um, I don't think the fans mind once we win just finally actually you're back four as well you're a very young back four there tonight yourself Griffin McLaughlin and uh, and uh, McCarthy. McCarthy the two boys you know centre backs in particular um, it's just it's, it's, it's a hell of a transition from last year because there are basically three new players there and Griffin obviously as well yeah well Griffin only played once um, Kevin O'Connor left last year as well so you could say it's a complete new back four but you know you've seen Sean and Connor as well, two top class players, even despite their age, really strong, physical, um, dealt with a Northern Irish international there today, looked comfortable enough. Like, um, And then, you know, myself and Griff, we're experienced players, you know, this is my eighth or ninth season now, playing League of Ireland. Between, Hard to believe. Yeah, I know, yeah, so, you know, um, you know, I kind of... You seem comfortable enough in here at the moment. Will you be going to Cove now to watch Go? You know, I am actually. Yep. Happy days. Yeah. See you there. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff.
Uh, actually, one thing I did mention there as well, Dan, the performance of McDonough on Sal- Sadler was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant, like you know, and we were all commenting on how he had him in his pocket for much of the second mm. half. So a player of 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 that quality, um, but it was a very entertaining game. And Turner's cross and sunshine looked absolutely resplendent. I think Cork are starting to click a bit. I mean, they are definitely. They've now put together a couple of good wins, you know, against decent sides. And I know they'd had a couple of decent wins earlier in the season. Um, you know, they beat Dundalk at home and there was past the opening day, there was a bit of fortune about it, but like, you know, these are games where they're winning by more than one goal, you know, and um, there's definitely, they've responded to what Dundalk are doing too, you know, Um, you know, okay, Dundalk's goal reference is still better, but they did hammer Limerick in one one match, you know, so, you know, they're, they're definitely, we're at the stage now where they're both winning their games so well, that you're wondering how many silly points that a team's going to drop. You know, you look back across the season, the dogs opening night draw with Bray. Like, you wonder, is this going to come up? I know Cork's probably, they dropped the points in, away in Limerick, maybe, might be there. Not might comparable, be, though, might, really, in no, the sense No, that, no, no. You know. But it's, it might be, is that their, you know, they're, they're, mm. they're just, okay, I know they were, they were well beaten in Tala and so on, but in terms of, like, really silly dropping of points... Both clubs don't look like they have it in them at this point. So all of a sudden, their game on the 29th of June is um, in Oriel Park is looking. Uh, it's looking like the two remaining games are in danger of being like uh, title-defining. Um, did you did you have any ginger nut biscuits when you were down? Did you have no, a, did you survey I, the spread? I didn't get to the tea room this time. Actually, I think it was like a perk of watching the game with um, Johnny Dunleavy the last time. I didn't watch it with him this time, so I was kind of sitting away from that kind of. Uh, Reserved area, yeah. so I no, he didn't. And Bennett, Bennett, Bennett didn't start. He was Bennett on the, was on the bench. Oh, he was on the bench, so and he was kind of like I'm not sure if he were on the bench, like in terms of being a sub, but he was definitely on the bench second half because he was getting up, like you know, really geeing up the troops and all that. But um, like when you look at kind of the players, Cork had out, you know, their entirely new back four. Very impressed with their young defenders, I have to say. But um, promising. You should mention because you, you mentioned about Colin Morgan, obviously Graham Burks. Uh, contribution at the weekend is another story. Of the weekend, I know we spoke about it like last week in the in the wake of Paris, um, and like it's it's been a positive weekend. I think in in that context, I I don't think like you had an amazing game. I know you don't think you quite saw the match because no. you were you were partaking in, in wedding celebrations, but um, you know he did fine. You know, and rating out of ten, I, I gave him. I mean, I thought it was a seven. I think there's an element of a seven because it's a newer player. I mean, I, I despise ratings, but anyway, just as a, a you know, as a, as a thing. But I mean, I do them regularly for work, so I probably shouldn't say that. Um, but you know, it's it's hard to to to. I think when when someone's new to that group, you have to be a bit kinder about the rating because he tried to do what he could. He tried to get on the ball when he can. He didn't like he wasn't hugely influential in the game, but at times it's because he wasn't necessarily picked out. But I think the biggest thing, and you always try and put yourself in the mind of someone um, that's has no interest in the league that's watching it. Like he didn't look like a tourist out on the pitch. He just looked like a, a footballer like the rest of them, you know. And um, you know, it wasn't as if he was being sort of physically shoved off the ball or anything like that. You know, it's and I don't think people who watch the league ever felt that would be the case. Um, and he is a particular type of player that probably needs a team operating in a particular type of way to bring out his strengths. And I still would be slightly skeptical, um, notwithstanding the obvious one that he will need to move to really be in contention for competitive games. But even if he does, I'm still not like. 100% convinced that he will ever fully slot into an O'Neill side in terms of 
um, of how they operate. But it is a good story. We don't have this now. It's it's not forty years now since the League of Ireland player scored in a game. You know, it's not you know ten years since a League of Ireland player played in one. And I think like these are just important things that you know in six months time or a year's time or three months time or whenever it is you know when some young player in the league is is suddenly making inroads that what Burke has done you would hope in some way has made it a bit easier for the next one you know that that they're not saying he's the first guy in 10 years and he's not the first guy in 15 years and that the next time there's a guy in the squad that like the FBI don't feel obliged to like you know be bashing out sort of 10 to 12 pictures and tweets and everything about it as the headline that you almost would like if someone could go into the squad under the radar a small bit I mean it's hard to do we will get excited about it people who like the league will get excited about it but you would like to think now and normalize uh, normalize but with the options that are there I mean this is the thing uh, I saw Leon McSweeney wrote a piece, um, and he, he writes sort of blogs, ex-Cork City player, and he, he writes, like I think his, his blogs and stuff he does in the league is very good, but he was making the point that, you know, the, well, Burke hasn't, what Burke hasn't, you know, he's, he's done nothing that was as prolific as, uh, say, Eamon Zaid and Dave Mooney and people that were around the league when he was playing in it. And there is this view from lads who've played around that time that when the league was strong, very strong, that, you know, well, what Burke has done is nothing special. And I do accept that point. But what I would say is that when Mooney and Zaid and all that were scoring those goals, the Irish options were like Robbie Keane, Kevin Doyle, Shane Long, even people like Leon Best were playing in the Premier League, you know, and they were sort of, you know, fourth or fifth or sixth choice almost on the fringes. Caleb Folan was other Premier League, league, you know, uh, championship, high-end championship at the time. Whereas at the weekend, like Graham Burke, there wasn't actually an Irish striker on the bench at all. So, like, we're not in a... So, he's... Like, this is happening now because of the options that are there. So, if another League League of Ireland player emerges, there's no point referring back to a time when such and such maybe should have got in. The options back then were completely different. And this is the real world of what we're dealing with now. And particularly in attacking areas, if someone else comes along and starts scoring a load of goals, it's not implausible that they will get called into a squad because we do not have lads over um, in sort of, you know, Championship League One level scoring lots of goals. So I, um, as well, let's see what happens. As well as that, though, if you, you watch him play, he's, you can tell he's just very good. But but just lastly on, on Graham Burke for the time being, can he be turned into a proper striker? Um, it's a good question. He's 24. You know, he's not 21. If he's a number 10, right? If well, he's only a number 10, that stymies him in terms of where he can go. Potentially. You would argue. It, it's interesting because Sean Maguire, um, it was actually Maguire getting to play as like a number nine that really was a big factor in sort of, you know, revolutionizing his career when he went to Cork and, and, and what Caulfield did with him and said, okay, we're going to play you. Whereas at Dundalk, they had sort of McMillan and they had people doing very well. So he was sort of you know, flirting around the edges a small bit there. Um, but can Burke be turned into like a number nine? I'd have my doubts, I have to say. But um, I think maybe it depends what club you play at and what way they play. And if they are very much play with two up front, you know, can you try and mold them into someone who plays as one of the two rather than someone who has a natural tendency to go deep and want to get in the ball. I don't know. I don't think you want to try and take out some of his best attributes either. Um, but I just think that's a point. It's just a it's a it's a it's a, it's a point you could raise about someone like Patrick McElhenney as well too. You know who um, who's gone to the UK now. He went to Oldham. Maybe a bad choice. There's other factors. But I think you could see, even see with Oldham when they played him, they were in a pressurised relegation battle. Like where does he play? Where do they put him? And 
Um, maybe when Burke was in the, the UK before, that was a bit of an issue that he faced. And certainly, you would like to see him go to the right type of club. For example, he was mentioned as an option for Preston. He couldn't be any less suited to Preston. The way we've, we've seen Preston, the way they play, um, you know, they want sort of a Alan Brown as their number 10. Uh, I mean, Horgan has been pushed out there. They like strong, sort of physical players. I mean, Maguire is sort of high energy, even when he plays. Um, Urquhart wouldn't be suited to Preston in any in any shape or form, as far as I could see. But there are other clubs in the Championship that would be more football and sides that might be that might be better for him. Tell us about Friday night then. Uh, Friday night, well, Friday night was um, a very entertaining game. But but for the game, uh, I caught up with Mike Tracy, who is the the chairman of Dundalk. Um, now Mike is is thirty one. He's he works for Peak Six, um, who are sort of the uh, and we, we do mention, we sort of touch on Peak 6 in the interview. They are, they are one part of the ownership structure of the dog that did the American takeover, the consortium. Uh, but Peak 6 are the biggest part. They're the one that got all the attention initially, even though there are private people who also own parts of the club. Um, but they are, they are the company that owns 25% of Bournemouth. And Mike, you know, is basically their guy on this project. Um, so he, he gets over quite a bit. But uh, on on Friday, I suppose there was a special effort because he brought his whole family over as well. He spent a couple of days in Dublin, and uh, he actually had previously spoken to us. He, I think, he said he would come on the podcast if Dundalk had beaten Cork that time at, at home, and then they they won, and he sort of admitted. Then he, he sort of was committed to an interview, uh, so he said we'd arrange it at some stage when he was over, uh, and that's what happened on Friday night. Now I caught up with him before the game, so this is you know before the five two. Where did you actually I, meet him? Um, just in the stadium we went downstairs to the reception there was a couple of people walking past couple, John Lucas. a couple of young lads from Rovers did a semi-impression of his accent I'm not sure they really caught, caught it on the on our on our sophisticated sound technology um, but at the time so the crucial you know caveat he, is, he makes a reference or two I think to being top of the league they're now not top of the league because Cork have subsequently uh, overtaken them by winning their game in hand but I think some of the other stuff people might find interesting because we want to just go into their plans um, it's kind of know, a first for LOI weekly we had a kind of an in-depth interview um, with somebody who wasn't actually in studio with us yeah exactly and you know want to just speak a bit you know in broad terms about their plans and how things are going but in very simple terms I just started off by asking Mike what sort of six months into this project now how have they found the experience so far it's been magical it's been it's been a fun ride I mean we came in right before the season started in an off season we had a ton of turnover we had 10 players I think come in and just to see everyone come together. You know, that first match, half our team had the flu. Then we get in the first couple of months, and everyone seems to be going down every game. So you have guys moving around, guys going down, and you can start to see everyone kind of stepping up for each other. And so, uh, you know, we came in, we expected to be the best, and right now we are the best. We're top of the table, depending on when this airs. <laughs> but um, but uh, it's exciting to be up here, and it's exciting just to be, you know, we're going to be drawn for our European competition in a couple of weeks. And so it's uh, been a bit surreal and the supporters have been great. Dundalk's been great. And, uh, you know, looking forward to just kind of grinding through and hopefully taking the league this year. When did you first hear of this project or when did it first come onto your table, this, this prospect of an Irish club? And, and, I mean, you work for Peak Six. Just to explain to people, you work for Peak Six who are one part of this ownership structure. There are other sort of people who have a stake in the club as well. So you're an employee of Peak Six. How, how does this come to you? So Peak Six is the majority owner in uh, Dundalk, and, and we have an interest in AFC Bournemouth. And 
just before I was scheduled to go over to AFC Bournemouth for a trip with those guys in October, uh, you know, the opportunity came across my desk and I was up all night researching, looking into it. Uh, I'd spent time in Ireland in college and, uh, you know, was looking into more as I was flying over to England and uh, decided to continue my stay for a couple of days and actually went on over to Dundalk and met with Martin and everyone else. Martin and Conley, uh, yeah. yeah, and it, it just uh, met with Paul and Andy and it just, it just seemed like a natural fit. It, it wasn't, there wasn't the vibe of, of Paul and Andy selling the club. It was almost them wanting to take it to the next level because they'd taken it so far and they're almost visionaries to take it to that level and then, you know, allow us to come in and, and professionalize it and hopefully get to, you know, the next step if that's Champions League or I don't know what. <laughs> whatever, whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that that really, you look at what they achieved and for them to go to group stage of Europa League, it's everyone over the entire world knew about it. Mm. You know, it was, it was the Irish team that had made Europe, Europa League group stage. And, you know, winning the league throughout the four years for us, you know, it's, it's not, we're not walking into something easy, something that we need to come in, uh, we're working hard, and we want to go to that next level. We want to, you know, win the league every year and, and be in the conversation and go champions the group stage. Just to explain to you, what would your job title be in Peak Six? You know, what do you do on a Monday to Friday basis? <laughs> That's a great, great question. I can walk you through my entire day. So. Uh, I'm a portfolio manager there. I'm a trader. Portfolio manager. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm a trader there. So what that means is for me, I also manage our football investments. So I usually wake up around 4.35 in the morning. From that time, I'll work until about 8 o'clock. And then the market opens at 8.30. And from 8.30 to 3 o'clock, I'm in front of four large computer screens with my trader cap on. Just just trading, you Just know, trading, yeah. Like, like yeah. people imagine in yes, some like, movie they've yeah, seen. On yes, the, it's, it's not Wolf of Wall Street. I'm actually... Uh, I'm the biggest nerd out there. It's like, <laughs> it's like playing computer games. Okay. Uh, and so, but then I'm doing that till three and then around four o'clock, I put my uh, football hat back on and I'm communicating with guys in Bournemouth and at Dundalk and hoping that they'll wake up to my emails. Yeah. You're interested in football then. You know, when did that develop? I know from, from speaking to you before that you're very interested in the area of, you know, stats and analysis and, you know, the, constructing models, perhaps. And yes, yes, This yes. is a, an area that you care about. Yes, so, so, so. But it's also an area that can be impenetrable to people as well because they're, you know, they're, they, I think it's something that's come into football big time in, in recent years and particularly an American influence, you could say. So um, where did you develop your own interest in this, I suppose? So with football, I was born into it. Uh, my mom has played my entire life. She still plays. Okay. So, uh, you know, there, there's five kids in my family and, at some point in our lives, our mom was our soccer coach. Yeah. Um, soccer is in America. I know. But, <laughs> still that still happens. That's, my, that's my one. I, I was, almost got through this entire interview without. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so uh, it started there. And, and, you know, somewhere around high school, uh, saying earlier, I was the kid that didn't hit his growth spurt till about 19. So I got weeded out pretty early in terms of. Uh, am, yeah, it's, it's just going to be. A, so I figured out pretty young that it. You know, it was going to be a recreational activity for me. Um, and growing up, I always kind of excelled at math and statistics. And then when I came to university, I started uh, looking at baseball and statistics. And then it eventually led back to football and just the way people think. Um, you know, something as simple as uh, a penalty goal scored. Uh, why does the guy who kicks the penalty get credit for the goal? What about the guy that moves up the pitch, gets by two defenders, gets into the box, and draws a penalty? 
a penalty is going to be scored 80% of the time. Why are we not giving credit to the player that draws that penalty? Yeah. You know, just the outside the box type stuff where uh, I, I like to use numbers to ask new questions. I don't like to point to numbers and say, oh, the numbers say this, so that means we should do that. I like to look how a player's done in his best game against the best opponent and against the worst opponent and kind of figure out, uh, you know, what, what is the true expectation of a player over the course of 90 minutes. Right, okay. So in practical terms, but, but, because there's a couple of things I want to move back to just about the, the Dundalk thing again and how it came about, but in practical terms, um, your work with Bournemouth now, your work with Dundalk now, is there a crossover? Like, is this, for Peak 6, part of a, an information sort of sharing model in some ways that the work you do at Bournemouth, which is obviously higher end in terms of the, the range of stats and, and material that's available, do you see that sort of translating to what, what is a lower level here in terms of actual being able to do some, some proper analysis at times? Absolutely. Um, so the most basic thing is just having data, having general data. You know, I have the most expansive database in the world of players that I built for AFC Bournemouth. I actually, you built this? I built this. So I went and I scraped websites and have the most expansive database of football players in the world catered towards what the manager wants to see. And so all you have to do is go talk to the manager, figure out the nozzles you kind of want to twist. This will be Eddie Howe in the Bournemouth. In the Bournemouth yeah, the, yeah. So this would be yeah, this would be the guys over at Bournemouth. So the recruitment team over there. And so uh, what I've done is I've kind of brought that over to Dalt and gone to the manager and Vinny and just said, "Here you go, have at it." And uh, just really providing them that option because before, in the olden days, meaning right now or two years ago, people would find out word of mouth. Mm. They would say, oh, you know, I was at the game and I saw Mike Tracy out there scoring uh, two hat tricks in a row. That never happened. Yeah. But uh, it would be word of mouth and it would make its way back and then you'd have someone go down and watch him. And what I'm trying to do is just trying to make that process easier. How can we use data to make that process easier? How can we use data to put something in front of a manager or an analyst or a scout and uh, maybe help them make a more informed decision? How can I give them extra time? How do we kind of make things more efficient. Okay. As you were aware, when, when, when the takeover happened, there was a lot of questions here. Why Dundalk? Why Irish football? Because the history, you know, there's a cynicism there, but it's born from sort of sour experience over the years where there have been outside owners have come in, they've sized things up in Irish football, and they've thought, this isn't going to work, and they've left. And when people, as you're aware, I'm sure you're aware of the commentary when you came in. Oh yeah. But there was a there was a, a a tone there. Well, how long are these guys in it for? So, what do you say to that sort of that line of thinking? You know that. You know, I, th I think it's a natural reaction. I think I think we draw conclusions from prior experiences, and I think the town of Dundalk looked at Cork and thought this might be an apples to apples thing. This is a America hedge fund with suits coming in. And they're going to buy us and run us into the ground. But really with us, it just comes with an obsession from winning. And we've had success at Bournemouth, like I mentioned. And we wanted to look to expand that. And uh, we wanted to stay close. And we also wanted to be involved in maybe a smaller league that competed in Europe. Mm. And so Dundalk happened to check all these boxes surprisingly, which is you know, why I switched that trip when I went over in October and came here. And uh, it's been great so far. And... Um, you know, we hope that we can take this to Champions League group stage. And we is hope... That, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like, well, like, you know, what is the definition of success for this project? Yeah, the definition of success is to win every year, year in, year out. Not just that, but 
even the small things. Right now we're top of the table, but I want to be top of the table everywhere off the pitch. I want to be top of the table in physio. I want to be top of the table in marketing. I want to be top in the table in accounting. I want to be top in the table in concessions. All these small things. I, 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 I can hear our reader or our listeners start screaming in going, what yeah, are facilities? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No. And uh, that is something that we're already addressing. And uh, it is something that is planned. I know we haven't been too open about it, but uh, what I will say is it's on our mind constantly. And we are looking at it. And within the time that we have been allowed, given the busy first half of the season, we have gone in and done these little cosmetic fixes. And we do have a couple redevelopment plans for the YDC that we're going to be waiting four months to get approval and that whole circus. But uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I can tell it to support you're, you're, very, you're very conscious of it. I mean, <laughs> yes. you, you can't but not be when you walk into the ground and see I, away oh, facilities. Yeah. And I think one of the games you might have gone down, to, am I correct, to speak to some of the away supporters. Yeah, it's, it's, it's worse than the league. I mean, I'd be, I'd be like, I'm foolish if I talk to you right now and say, well, you know, it's, it's okay. It's not. We need to fix it. We know we need to fix it. And project development takes time. We can't come in. There's probably a million things that need to be done at Oriole Park. And if we try to do a million things all at once, then it's not going to be done to the best of its ability. It's not going to be done in a way that it can last, you know, 20, 50 years down the road. So uh, it is something we're assessing. We know what needs to be done. We're doing the little stuff right now. We'll have a window coming up with the break and a couple more windows given that we're somehow halfway down with our schedule where we can really start uh, making noticeable improvements to Oriel Park. What potential do you see? I mean, I know we, like, there's this, often this general discussion about, well, we want to get a club to the group stages, and that's, that's been spoken about for a long time in Irish football. But, I mean, you're, you've come in as an outsider, which I think is interesting because you, you're not dealing with sort of the experience of, of recent disappointments. But at the same time, like... Do, what have you sort of experienced on the ground from other clubs? So, other so I, I'll say, do you feel there's a belief there, it's, or it's, is it it's not? It's, it's not just investment in the in Dundalk. It's an investment in the entire league and where we see the league can go. And if you look at the type of following that Cork has, that Dundalk has, you see it in Derry, you see it in Waterford this year. Shamrock Rovers will see it tonight. Uh, you can see where the league's going, and what you're going to see, you'll see it tomorrow with Graham Burke out there for the Shamrock Rovers. Is you're going to see uh, the best talent from Ireland start to work its way back to this country. Uh, I think part, you believe that? I, I, yeah, it, it has to. I mean, you think about historically the path of an Irish footballer. Uh, they've come up 15, 16, they've gone over to England. And now uh, at a time when there was only 5,000 kids to compete with, play against in England, they're competing with 5 million. They're competing with the entire world of footballers. Yeah. So that will be this invisible hand that is pushing these kids back to Dundalk. You're seeing it with the likes of Daniel Clare this year. And as these kids come in, it's going to be our responsibility as clubs to kind of build the facilities that they would see over in, in, in England or Scotland. And uh, you know, I think it'll be a two-way street. It'll be clubs kind of bringing them up to that level, and then it'll be this invisible hand pushing the talent back here and us receiving them and hopefully train them to work their way up to the national team. That, that's kind of the dream. That's the vision, but the, there has to be a visible hand too in the form of like of a, of a contract, you know, of security because, and that does require investment. And I think one of the questions is, like, is this something that you think is working quite well as it is? And, you know, as you said, you want to be winning. It's a team that's qualifying for Europe. Or is this something that there's a real commitment there to invest in further? Yeah, I mean, I mean... The, or is it, the, the, do you need European money? No, I mean, I, 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 would, I would say, I would say, you know, 
we're not going to leave it as is. Like, that's the common sense answer. Why would I want to invest in players and say, hey, all right, December, see you later? Yeah. You know, we're trying to operate. That's why we brought Mal Brannigan in. We want to operate this like a professional franchise. We want to run it like they run things in England. We want to bring in players, two, three-year contracts, four-year, whatever it is. And we want to be a part of that ecosystem. It's not going to be run exactly like it was before, um, but it takes time, right? And so we can't just come to the manager here and say, all right, we're bringing all these guys in and you just need to take them. They're all on four-year contracts. They're different wages than anyone else has been paid. It's a segue, right? It has to be an organic growth. And it's not going to be something that we're going to force. I think part of our success that we're going to have is going to be us not forcing it and kind of working slowly with Steven, with Mal, with the rest of the league to get where we want to be. Patience would be a word there. But, I mean, is yes, there a and, and, and patience is not a, a, a word people like to hear in football. But what if you don't win the league or, or for two, you don't qualify for Europe? It's unlikely the dog won't qualify for Europe, I have to say. Very unlikely. But a bad year. Is there still the patience there within the people that are involved to I, I'm thinking. I'm that? thinking about next year. I don't, I don't look things today or tomorrow. We're at the top of the table. That's great. I hope we win this year. But my head is plugged in towards two, five years from now. What are the five-year implications of every decision I make today? I don't like to take a short-term approach on stuff. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. Businesses that you invest in for one or two years have a one- or two-year approach. They fail. There's always an element with interviews like that of like the Bull McCabe and the American guy who's like a newcomer to town. We don't really like him. We sort of distrust him. Um, and it's amplified when they talk about soccer, as they call it, or football, because yeah. it's like they don't really get the game. Now, you know, there will be a lot of people listening in who will kind of relate to what I'm saying there. But I, I've, I actually I thought this guy, so what, you, what we played so far, I find him quite intriguing and fairly on top of his brief. Well, I think he's, I think he's very aware of that perception. Mm. And it's funny. It's hard I, to get away from I spoke to, a, spoke to him a bit beforehand about the field. And, and Did uh, you? Yeah, just to the mention. I'm not know sure that. if he's seen it, though. But um, <laughs> So I'm not sure the reference may not have actually traveled. But the general point, he, he said it himself. You know, people think that this is just a load of suits coming in to run the club into the ground and get out of there. And I think they're at pains to tackle that and at pains to to not be faceless, to be there, to be going around and meeting people and so on. And I mean, there's a real positivity there that, that, that in some ways that actually sort of rankles with some Irish people you know we are we are naturally very skeptical and and cynical in some ways and often from experience you know and particularly in Irish football so when someone comes in it's uh, the old story isn't it like, the, real know, the, view. Guy, the guy with the big house like you know and in America it's like wow I want to aspire to be like him in Ireland it's like who the you know hell does he think yeah, he is there the, is the something about shot, that like. but um, especially in the League of Ireland <laughs> particularly now the, the one thing was we've still got a bit of, bit of that interview to play out but um, just to, to break at that point, and he mentioned about contracts and so on. We've had um, the announcement of Vinnie Perth signing a new three-year deal uh, as assistant full-time earlier this week. Um, we're, we're speaking now on Tuesday afternoon. I think there's going to be some announcements in the next 24 hours or so about contracts with regard to players because they've got some important players at a contract at the end of the season. I think the likes of Sean Hoare and, and Jamie McGrath, you may you may have developments on, on that front coming soon. And Which would be too huge. Too huge. And I, I do think, you know, I do think these guys are pretty serious in their intentions 
Um, certainly over, as he mentioned, you know, the next five years anyway, I, I don't think they're going to be fly-by-nights like people thought. Um, Do you agree with him about their, like, not being awfully rushed about Oriel? Like, and that's a bone of contention. It, well, it's a bone of contention, but I'm glad that at least, you know, it's addressed that it's still the worst away facilities in the league. And I do think there's an element of trying to do something that can last for 10, 20, 50 years rather than going temporary. in and, and doing a temporary job. Um, you know, he, he didn't he didn't shirk away from that topic. But we had a small bit more to speak about. I mean, obviously, we've, we've been very focused on Dundalk and what we've touched on in that clip. But he also wanted to speak generally about the area of, I suppose, promoting the product in, in the best possible way and in the area of coverage, in the area, I suppose, from the perspective of someone who watches things from afar on most weeks, uh, how maybe he would like to see stuff packaged in his world. So, uh, yeah, we just got into a small bit of a discussion from that point about the general area of uh, the coverage of the league and, and how that can develop. We need to build consumer products, you know, there was a 70-yard goal scored last Friday in the League of Ireland, and video of that should have been spread across the world within two hours. Absolutely. And it's, it's one of the most important things that the league needs to do, and I think we all know that. I've talked with other clubs, and it's the dissemination of pro- our product, the ownership of our product. How do we get our product out there? You know, there's people following this product from all over the world. Yeah, and yes, it's inaccessible at times. Yes, it's inaccessible, but we're taking steps. We're getting there. I think it's easy to look and dwell on things. You said that it's different for an outsider coming in, and as an outsider coming in, I see uh, the willingness to maybe dwell on how things are right now. But if you dwell on how things are right now, other people are getting ahead of you. There's other leagues in Europe getting ahead of us, and we can't do that. We need to be constantly be thinking ahead. What is up with the next contract? Okay, so right now, this is a stream deal. We're not happy about it. You got to do something. Yes, now you got to collaborate. You got to talk. You can't dwell on things. And it goes to playing too. If something bad happens on the pitch, you dwell on it. The other team's getting ahead of you, right? Yeah, that's a good logic. I sort of wish Johnny was here in some ways because Johnny, at random points of an interview, likes to throw in a random question such as, "Hey, how old are you, by the way?" But but how old? <laughs> but, but how old are you? You're, you're 31, am I right? 31. Uh, I turned 17 last week. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, uh, yeah, I'm 31. I'm 31 going on 40 though, because I got I got an early start in finance. I was on the floor at the stock exchange when I was probably 17, 18 years old. So uh, I've I've been in business uh, for quite a long time, and I've worn many hats. And uh, although I'm 31, I, I do think I'm more experienced than a lot of people out there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lengthy commitment that you put in to what you're doing when the days that you described there, I suppose, the old 4 a.m. starts. Like, that's, uh, I assume, building models and the statistical work you've done. I think you've been, I think there's obviously collaborations in some way with U.S. soccer as well and what they're doing. Like, that's a, it's a 24-7 commitment in some ways. Yeah, it's a 24-7 commitment, but it's not work, it's fun. I love both. I, if this was a trading podcast, I would talk your off. It's a football podcast. I'm talking to you off right now. I could talk on for both forever. I, I've never had a real job in my life. And waking up, it's, it's not work for me. When you wake up and do something that you think about while you're sleeping, that's not work. You brought the family over, I see. They're, uh, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're, they're no, getting involved. I, I, but like, is, that, is that important to be visible as well? Because we talked before about the, the faceless owners. Was that something that you were keen to not be that faceless, mysterious, you know, yeah, unknown? You, no, you just can't. I couldn't consciously do that. There's just so much energy when I come out here and go to Oriole that it just doesn't register with me. It's, it's hard, you know, after the matches right away, I'm on the phone with Mallory, the manager, just getting caught up and wanting to feel a part of it. And, uh, you know, my, I have a very Irish family. There's a ton of us out here tonight. And it's, 
uh, been something, you know, it's been a blessing to our family. But just finally, um, to finish up, because the game is approaching, but um, as I said, you work for Peak Six. Yeah. What do the, I suppose, the superiors of Peak Six make of how things are going? Because we have your impression of how things are, but and you work for a company um, who made a decision, like they put that project on your desk, so other people saw this project first. Like, what, what do they feel about this venture and how it's developed? They're thrilled. My boss, Matt, is the most competitive person I know. Is Matt Hulitzer, I think? Is that Matt Holsizer, yeah. Holsizer, sorry. Yeah, and, and Matt is a very busy man. And Matt has not had his time, does not travel overseas that much and has not had time to come over here. But I can assure you, every match, breathing down my neck while I'm trying to trade and watch the match, is Matt commentating on everything that's going on and sending me transfer market links of players and asking questions. And so it's one of those things where he's not visible, but he's the most avid Dundalk supporter, him and his father, too. His father sending me, you know, links of Costa Rican players that he saw. So it's a, uh, it's one of those things where, uh, yes, they put their faith in me. I struggle to get them a house in Dundalk now. To be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll put that out there to them. But um, but no, I mean they love it. It's we we don't go halfway on things. We don't kind of go in on stuff, and especially stuff that involves competition. We go in to win. We refuse to lose. And if you look at the history of our investments, and because we invest smartly. We haven't lost. It's great having you on, Mike. Cheers. Enjoy the rest of your trip. We refuse to lose, Dan. That's a that's a big, big statement. There are comments that follow you, I guess. You know, I'm sure that'll be played out. Um, some Cork fans will be playing that out. Um, yeah, possibly, you know. Mark McNulty will be singing it sometime. <laughs> yeah, um, but 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 there you go. I mean, that's 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 where they are at, at this point of the uh, the process, I suppose, and. Um, you know, you're obviously you you were brought up back in the day as a hardcore Dundalk fan. What's your feeling up about this in general? <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it is there is still a, a surreal element to the whole thing that um that 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 club that I remember when I was sort of going to games as a fan, sort of when I was a kid, that that it would now be a you know owned by a sort of a, a U.S. company. You know, and I was interested to find out that the 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 boss man and peak is is keeping an eye on things because certainly you wondered at the start was it just well this is just something that we've done but you know um like he, he's off in his own zone not really paying much attention to it or anything like that um i mean these people do have a sort of a the peak six davis serious pedigree you know they've been quite successful in recent years you're always you're always vulnerable to changes in in financial climates and companies and circumstances and so on um but I, I did think when they came in at first, there was a natural tendency to be sceptical because of experiences of other clubs. I wouldn't compare them to any of those at this point. I mean, we've heard more from these people, um, you know, the American owners of this this time around in terms of how visible and how public they've been. I mean, there's actually no comparison with any of the overseas takeovers in the last 10 years. I mean, they're, they're putting themselves out there to be shot down maybe, you know, if things don't go as well, but they're certainly putting themselves out there. They're, they're coming over, they're meeting people. Um, I think they brought uh, all the Dundalk players to the game on Saturday against Ireland, the Ireland-USA game. Naturally, was a, the, the American game made it sort of special for them. I think they might have got a box at the Aviva, the players had a day out and stuff. So, And if they are now willing to, to tie players down to proper contracts and stuff like that, then... Uh, I think people who were sceptical at first are starting to be won over a small bit, but <clears throat> they are talking about a five-year plan. And I 
And so let's can we judge it until we get to that stage? It, it, it's hard to do that. You would the ground thing is something that I think any doubts, maybe lingering doubts that people have, would probably leave if they saw like a bulldozer going in and 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 something being done that would leave some kind of legacy. But uh, I I get the impression that they're very serious about what they're going to do, and the other top clubs are going to be. It's going to be a challenge for them to to match them in terms of. Well, it's very interesting. You think of Cork as a, as a kind of a club, a fan-owned club now, and they have to, their main rivals are couldn't be more differently owned. Yeah, and um, I suppose from from the experience of like just seeing it firsthand, maybe in Galway, how difficult it is for a bunch of volunteers to kind of keep the show on the road. This is a challenge, and yeah. it's a challenge probably wages-wise as well across the league. Now, if 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 you have different contractual situations clubs with European money and now you have these guys and so on yeah I mean, look, I mean Cork's crowds are very good though I mean the Dogs crowds mm. this year haven't been it must be said and, and Cork have you know very reliable streams of income there the one thing you would say about Cork is in terms of keeping pace is they probably do need to have a good European run you know one of these years I know you, you don't want a model that's based on that um, but, but Cork are going fine I think the, 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 the difficulty is for the clubs that are third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh you know because they're possibly going to have to look at spending to get in to somehow compete with these guys. But they, if, if the, the dog are suddenly in a position to, to tie down their better players on three-year deals, right? That also means that they're able to recruit players with three-year deals from other clubs. And, and we saw last summer that you know Cork with Sadlier, the dog with Connolly, um, and so on, that they're in a position to, to go to clubs below and 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 take who they want uh, to a point. And. This is the thing because we you know we should move on to the preview of the weekend now, and like we're t- you you listen to sort of Mike's positivity there. And on the flip side, the Docker are home to Limerick on Friday, uh, and Limerick are in a situation where they've tried to compete, and 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 Pat O'Sullivan's tried to put together a very competitive side in recent years, and um, didn't succeed in making the breakthrough to Europe. Um, they came up with maybe intentions of of finishing the top half last year, didn't get there, and. And that have just fallen back to the point where, um, as we speak, things are evolving. So by the time this comes out, things may have moved on. But certainly, what what will not change um, in the passing of time between uh, recording this and going out is that Limerick uh, are looking at cutting costs. That they've started the season with something that's unsustainable. Um, or certainly something that is going to be very difficult to sustain without difficult decisions being taken. Um, and as much as we want Dundalk and Cork to push on, um, you can only be as strong in a way as the league that you're in too. So as long as you have situations like Limerick happening or fears over Bray, then that's going to hold everyone back. That's that holds back any debate about should we have Ireland players in the international squad, like you know, or sorry, League of Ireland players in international squad, if um, they're playing games that are very weak against teams that are now part time and they're they're sort of they're on their arse, you know. So like that's. That's the slight difficulty we face, that the inequality in the league now is is becoming an issue, and it's it's great for people involved with Dundalk and Cork and, and so on, but it's maybe not so great for the others, and it's that's the difficulty that we face. And um, you're talking about inequalities, well, like the difference in the first division and the Premier is so big. It's well, you saw it in one day. So, like, I've been to maybe six 
first division games. I I don't think it's I've ever seen a, a gap like it. It's just it's not comparable. And if Galway United did get promoted with this squad, we'd struggle to. I'd say we'd nearly struggle to win a game next season. Mm. It's that big. And when you're talking about the clubs, like if you look at maybe the wages that Bray or Limerick might be play, paying their players, like I was but, they, the but they would have been paying okay. Oh, sorry, maybe they yeah. wouldn't okay wages. They like, would have. Uh, so yeah, sorry. Whereas yeah. in the first division, the wage structure is is completely different. Where a lot of the clubs are ba- basically paying paying expenses. Like you look at Cove last night, you know, a couple of hundred people at the grounds. You know, they're, ba- they're 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 basically amateur players, and they're good players. But like then to make that jump where you have to be paying proper wages, it's going to be challenging. Like, and it's just it's it's difficult. And I mean, I've you see this is it's a delicate area because I think I saw recently um, Stephen Henderson from Cove might have put up a, a poll on Twitter about the Cove manager putting up a poll on Twitter about what would that. you want like yeah. 20 or 16 right but I uh, see unfortunately I would have the view that we can't hold back the clubs at the top you know and if there's people coming in who, are, who are want to have a full time structure and, and long term contracts and they think they can make that work um do you want to stop them by putting them into a league, the same league with teams that are struggling badly? Or do you take the view that it's a national league and we should look to to everyone? You know, yes, we want to make that breakthrough to like that new level of credibility or whatever you want to call it, where you might have players in the national team or you might have regular runs in Europe. And it's it's a it's it's a tough one. It needs uh, a proper prize fund structure, though. You can't like how 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 are how are the likes of um, you know Bray going to pay their players if they're not getting crowds and there's no prize at the end of it? You know, mm. so it's funny. I remember years ago when when I started getting into it and had a my own website, and I my last editorial was saying that I think summer football would be a good idea, and you came back to me and you were kind of saying pl- pros and cons, but you said like bone hard pitches could be an issue and I sort of laughed at you I was like this is Ireland I've seen two pitches in, in, in the last few weeks in the first division and I can only conclude that Cavan Teeley and Cove cannot f- afford to actually water the pitches the pitches are a disgrace mm. that's one issue just off the top of my head you know so I don't know I, I'd like to see um, an All-Ireland League and if that's not going to happen and it's not going to happen in the near future I mean I, I, I just I can't see I can't see a 16 team league working in the short term 16 team I think Will be dreadful from football. From unless a football it's properly funded, like well, unless it's properly funded. In its current standing, you would just have teams getting absolutely mm. mullered, and like that, that's not going to work either. Like we've seen, even in Limerick, that there was huge crowds for a team that is uh, coming up from the first division and winning, and and even that stirring run. But when you get into the Premier Division and you're not that good within it, when you don't have that core of support there, then people aren't going to come. So if you have a 16-team league and you're 13th and you don't have a huge tradition and you're getting hammered by Dundalk and Cork or whoever, but then also... I mean, fans of those teams get a bit complacent about these games, start to pick and choose their games. That wouldn't work. But I'm not saying like the 10 team is a roaring success either. I'm saying that we're in a difficult place and the authorities do need to look at it. A couple of people laugh about this because, and I see the Americans and people would laugh at this, the whole concept of like, you know, sharing around success. Like it's sort of a, that's not a business. If you have a business and you're doing well, then you want all the funds. But I know there was a talk some years back, one or two clubs might have raised in a meeting about, um, you know, what should we do with European funds? Like, if one should should a percentage of European funds go into some kind of central fund or, or something? Even if it's like a five percent thing of every club, could that go into a, a some central fund that deals with pitch maintenance or deals with something? There has to be some way 
of tackling the inequality. I know there's solidarity payments that go around if one club breaks into a, a group stages or something, but I mean we're still a bit away from that. A but long way but away. there has but there's there's clubs now getting six figure sums every year and, and some clubs it's just are getting ten grand at the end of like. it. So I just don't know how we tackle it. But anyway That's, that reminds me of uh, Noel Meathorst, the Red Menace which won uh, bumper. I thought it was a really interesting name um, because it's a very egalitarian notion and it's uh, something I've often thought of as well. If Dundalk are making six million and then Galway United are accommodating them or Bowes are accommodating them in Europe it's like well where are we here but the other games the aforementioned Bowes against yeah, Derry City Friday Dundalk v Limerick are we both going to go for a home um, win there I'm, Le- I'm Dundalk v Limerick um, yeah yeah I'm going to go for a home win yeah I'm going to go for a home Bo- win Bowes against Derry City Bowes against Derry City <sighs> Derry were the better team for much of the game in Cork. Like so a lot of positives, but I'm just like I'm gonna I, go for a draw on that one. Away win, a tentative away win. Mm. Watford against Pats. You're not. Fa- I just. I mean, how do you call this? You know, one of them. Well, you, the you look at the two teams and you make a prediction. Um, Jesus, draw. John, normally you're. Well, do it's you have hard a, to be bullish. Do, about. do you have a lock of the week in in the in the, in the locker here? Mm, I've actually come unprepped in terms. Of, I, I literally well, jumped the off first. the train. Um, uh, Waterford are home to Pats. Yeah, that that is. I mean, they they've one win each against each other this season. Uh, but there was Waterford went to nine and Inchicore at that time. Um, it's funny, like Waterford are, and they're potentially in a situation to go nine clear of Pats if they win this game. So wow. that's a pretty big game for Pats. I'm going to go for a draw there too. I think actually, yeah. Um, Shamrock Rovers Bray on Saturday. Like, I, I, I was actually looking at this beforehand. I mean, could you bank on Rovers winning this game? Well, yeah, I, I, I think I mean Rovers hammered them in the previous game. I still think lost to Bray though. No, I know. I still think a home to Bray. Um, presuming they have a lot of their better players available, um, they you know the, the decent pitch. I, I think they've got the ability to to open Bray up. I do. I think Rovers will win. Do you want to go for a shock there? I think shock I will. Yeah. What's your prediction? I think I'll go for Bray. Just an away win. Yeah. Just because um, they obviously must have played well against um, no no Pats the, and fairness. No, no, they great do ball have good players for the goal. Yeah. 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 If again, I haven't seen any highlights at all really. But if if Bray can maybe get the first goal in this game because in the I was at the game in Tala when they played and it, they were fine at Nilaw but then they fell apart. They fell apart, yeah. And at the time they were they were one to fall apart at any time. So Bray are my lock of the week for, for this week. Jesus. Why not? Shock, shock and lock of the week. <laughs> Just for the crack. Uh, Sligo Rovers Cork, John. Okay, so in fairness to Sligo, they've they've steadied the ship, uh, not conceding too many goals and great results in Bray. Um I was at the game in Turner's Cross when they they weren't they lost one nil didn't play badly. Um, I was looking at that Cork team though, just Shepherd the way he played. Sal- Sadlier coming back to Sligo. Sadlier, I keep right. mixing those two up. <laughs> it's a horse I like for the champion yeah. hurdle next year. Just looking at that, just if so much, it, you just feel like they're going to score goals. You know, Cummins didn't have a great game, but he's still a threat. Yeah, and I, I don't see that with Sligo obviously because they don't really have a lot of um, talent up front. Um, so away win. Away win, yeah. I, I just feel I have to go for an away win too. As much as Sligo showed a bit of fight last week, 
Yeah, I still think I, I'm. I'm finding it hard to oppose Cork and Dundalk now. I think at the moment, um, for the foreseeable. But uh, I hope it's not like that week in week out where no. you know they're um, in the first division. I'll wrap through the the games that happened since uh, we were last on. Drogheda two, Cabinteely nil, Shells four, Wexford one, UCD three, Cove one, Longford three, Galway two, Harps four, Athlone nil, Cabinteely four, Athlone nil, Shelburne one, Drogheda one, uh, Finn Harps two, Longford four. Um, you got to mention Longford there because Longford have have season was kind of all over the shop not that long ago. They've really hit a bit of form and um, which is befitting the team they have. They've a very good side. And then that game Cove nil Galway nil that I was at, um, which was uh, it was played in a bad pitch, but it was strangely entertaining. Actually, there was just, I I have to say I was I was in the I was in the ground in Cove and kind of wondering why more people wouldn't go along to watch them. They're a young team. They're nearly all from the kind of general Cork slash Cove area. They're committed to playing football for very little money. And um, if they played on a better pitch, they'd be actually very entertaining to watch. But, um, you know, I just have to give Cove a lot of credit there. And uh, the, the fixtures this weekend at Lone are at home to Shelburne. Um, Cabin Teeley are at home to Longford. Galway United play Harps. And Galway and Harps and UCD draw the dance. So huge games there on Friday night. And and Cove are actually at home to uh, Wexford. Uh, if you just happen to be listening in and could go to watch Cove um, at the weekend, they're playing them on on Saturday. Um, yeah, so that's it, Dan. It was uh, coming to the end of the show. We are, yeah, mm. we are. Give a week off for yourself. Week off, yeah. So I'm not sure. So if you're I'm going to the Ireland ladies game or probably uh, League of Ireland game. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure what football I'll take in, but um, we are cracking on towards the mid-season break. Um, so although, as you mentioned, there's a uh, there's not that many league games left. So all of a sudden, the <laughs> the uh, the importance of a cup run for the finances of clubs is suddenly becoming uh, huge. That is another thing about Limerick. Like Limerick only have seven league games left across the space of five months. So home games have seven sorry seven home games left across the space of five months. So if you're looking for certainty about income, um, that's that's definitely a struggle that you're going to face. So um, all of a sudden, yeah, the the FEI Cup run, particularly with the top two being so dominant, um, there are clubs there that are not just relying on a cup run because they'd like a day out. Um, I think it's because they just need to keep cash coming in. So. Not banging the same old drum again, but uh, I think as the fixtures drop by, you realise actually we we've basically been through the middle, like the middle sort of rump of the season in the space of a month, and all of a sudden now there's teams like you mentioned Galway looking at a situation going, Jesus, like you know don't have don't have a huge amount of time maybe to address uh, what what may not seem like as much of a crisis as it is because of the time of the year that it is, you know, but. Um, yeah, I think the main point you're making there, though, there are a lot of clubs will be looking at this and going, "Where are we going to get money for the rest of the season?" Mm, it's yeah. going to be a huge issue. And yeah, and, and and might lead to cost cutting and stuff in July and stuff we don't want to see. But anyway, yeah, we um, should move on. We should move on. Um, that was episode 17. Thanks very much for listening, and a big thanks to um the guys who agreed to interviews there, particularly Kenny Shields, because it was shortly after the game, and I, you know, you can tell there was a lot of pressure there, and he was even, you know signing autographs for a lot of the young Cork City fans. I'll just end up asking Dan, who's going to win the league? I'm going to annoy the Cork fans. I, 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 still, I, I, still, I still think, I, I think it's going to be close. I, I just, I would go for it in Dock at this point. I'll be accused of sort of uh, applying some kind of bias here, but I, I just think they might still just have the slightly deeper squad. And, um, but and, but, and they refuse to lose. And uh, but, but, but there's people talking. We've heard people from other clubs talking about them being miles ahead and streets ahead and so on. And 
I, I can see how that view is there because of how they, when they click, they can look that good. But I mean, Cork have won every single home game, you know. Like so, uh, I, I think the 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 two games between the sides are going to be absolutely massive, and we'll see, you know, how Cork fare in Europe as well because they've they've the, the excitement of a Champions League tie, guaranteed um, two, uh, guaranteed two ties. ties whereas the dog might be slightly lower profile earlier on. Um, I, 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 I do think Dundalk possibly looking stronger at this point still, but uh, it's, it's to me it's it's three, four, five points margin. You know, when 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 the season comes down to it, whichever way, I don't, I don't see a club sort of streaking clear or anything like that. I think um, injuries at the wrong time or something could could have an impact as much as anything. Absolutely, I, I don't know how to call it, but uh, I'm 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 really looking forward to one of them drawing Rangers at some stage. That'd be great. What is? Shot himself in the head twice. But there are limits to your life.